Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to our anchor text as we kick off a brand new series of messages called Bigger, Better, Bolder. I believe with all my heart, God is bringing us into a season that will be characterized, characterized by notable miracles. Somebody say amen. Uh, On Monday, I began to ask myself that question, Easter is past, now what? We've celebrated the most important event in human history. We've celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and all of the implications associated with this event. Now what? Because if we consider everything that happened on the cross and subsequently with the resurrection of Jesus, you and I will realize that we have all power to get the job done. And we begin to consider what Jesus has done and the promise that we now can live life more abundantly. Men, it should challenge us to begin to take every limitation off, meaning Jesus died and Jesus rose so that you and I can have life and have it more abundantly. Listen to me. If you ever ask yourself that question, Easter is past, now what? Let me tell you something. He's inviting each of us to begin to live out the fullness of his redemptive work. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die for our sins and die for our redemption so that we could live ordinary, mediocre lives. Jesus didn't go through what he went through so that you and I could barely make it. Listen to me. There is a promise. There is a redemptive promise that's on the table for the taking. And Jesus wants us to begin to live in the fullness of his finished work on the cross. And that finished work guarantees in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that you and I can live life and have it more abundantly. That's what he said in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Let me tell you where the tension begins to rise. When the promise of God doesn't match my present reality. He said, I know what the Bible said, but I ain't know what I'm living. And then there's this chasm, there is this divide, and there's also this tension that exists between what God promised and what I'm actually living out. And over the next several weeks, we will discover from God's word how to begin to appropriate, how to begin to live out Every single thing that God promised us and choosing not to settle for anything less than his very best. Listen to me. Jesus didn't go to the cross once again so that you would have an ordinary, just enough life. And when I say that, I'm not just saying that, I'm not saying that uh, primarily in terms of Uh, what is material and what is financial. I'm talking about having just just peace, y'all. Jesus went to the cross so that you you would live a life free of anxiety and worry and stress. His body was broken and his blood was shed so that you and I would live above the fray. Most of us have settled for what is abnormal, and we've called it normal. 
And Jesus looks at us and he says, man, I died so that you could experience so much more. So much more. Jesus rose. Now what? Now what? It's time for us to walk out the fullness of his redemption. And that includes an abundant life. Somebody say abundant life. Abundant life. That means living life to the full, the Amplified says, until it overflows. How many of you would like to live your life on that level? Living your life to the fullest until it overflows. So, so, so we're going to look at an obscure text to give context to the conversation this morning. Stick with me. I'm going to go fast and furious. We're going to read from the uh, message paraphrase uh, uh, of Isaiah chapter 54. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to probably skip around a little bit. Everybody say hi, Tammy. Tammy is serving for the first time with our media team. She's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And uh, Tammy, uh, I know you're flying solo, uh, but it's going to be all right, girl. It's going to be all right. Uh, I'm just saying that just in case I take a couple rabbit trails so that you are forewarned. All right, here we go. Isaiah chapter 54. Verses 1 through 6, the ancient text begins in verse 1 with these words. Sing, barren woman who has never had a baby. Fill the air with song. You who've never experienced childbirth, you're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. Why? Because God said so. Let me just stop there for a second. In order for you and I to experience the fullness of everything that God has created, provided for us, the first thing that has to change is the picture we have on the inside. Jesus, or or, or, uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, is speaking to the nation of Israel. They are coming out of a season of barrenness as a nation. The, the, The writer, the prophet, begins to use this word picture, this metaphor, to identify and describe where Israel is. And he says, your life up until this point has been akin to a barren woman. You have the capacity but you ain't producing nothing. That is your reality. But in order for us to move from where we have been into the place that God has created and designed for us, he has to change and transform the picture that you and I carry on the inside. Because for most of us, our reality becomes our truth. Listen to me. I said that on purpose. Most of us think that our reality is the truth. I can't have kids, so I'm a barren woman. I ain't producing nothing, so I'm useless. And at first glance, it seems like what God is saying is very insensitive. Your life ain't what you wanted to be, but just start singing. You grapple with disappointment, but just get up and start singing. It seems like your life is on hold, but just start praising God. 
That seems insensitive until you realize that God is changing the picture on the inside and preparing you for a future beyond your present struggles and disappointment. What God has to begin to get you to see is something beyond what you can see right now. And he says, look, if you're in a season in your life, if you're in a place in your life that seems barren and desolate, start singing now. Because I've already made provision for the future that you desire and the future that you have imagined. And he says it's going to be so abundant. It's going to be so profound, so profuse, so abundant, and so prosperous. Notice what he says. Notice what he says. Notice what he says. <laughs> I, like, I like what he says. He says you're going to end up with far more children than all those childbearing women. Let me tell you the second thing he has to deal with in order to get you into the right frame of mind to receive your miracle, to expand your capacity to believe. It was Oliver Wendell Holmes who said it this way, a mind once stretched by a new idea will never return to its original dimensions. And what God is trying to get those of us who are barren, who are wrestling with barrenness is to do is to allow our minds and our imagination to stretch beyond its current dimension. Somebody say capacity. God is trying to create in us a capacity beyond our barrenness to receive the fullness of the promise. He's trying to get us to, 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 to stretch. And that's why he says start singing. <laughs> start singing because every dry, dead, desolate, barren uh, place in your life that has been characterized by famine and not enough is about to be populated and refreshed and it's about to to flourish. The first thing it has to do is to change the picture. When you think of your life, uh, when you're all alone, I ain't talking about when you're in a crowd and we put on the fake mask. I'm talking about when you're all alone, those voices that taunt you at night. What are they saying about you? What is the image that you have of yourself when you're all alone? The first thing he has to change is our picture. And that's why Les Brown said it this way. He said, most of us live out of our memory instead of our imagination. Most of us live out of what we remember of our past. Yet, if we're going to live bigger, better, and bolder, what God begins to do now is he begins to create in us a new picture and imagination for the future that he has prepared for us. Listen to me. Listen to me, some of us have difficulty even beginning to imagine the future because our present and our past is so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming that even to begin to think of a life better than what I have experienced up until now, is it, 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 I can't even wrap my mind around it. For me as a pastor, beginning to imagine a mega church with thousands of people coming from all over wrapped around the building, sometimes I choke on it. Because for eight years, I know what our experience has been. Yet God says, Ray Harmon, begin to sing over the barren places of your life. I'm creating a new picture inside of you now. And God is creating a new picture inside of you as well. Inside of you. That is internal. It is internal. But the next thing he has to deal with, precious, is the things that are external. Notice what he says next. He says you're going to end up with far more children than all those childbearing women. 
He said, the problem has also been that you have compared where you are to where everybody else is. It has become the source of your frustration. Listen to me. The Lord said, I'm going to do something so powerful and so accelerated that you will outpace and outrun all those who were ahead of you. And the Lord says, when you begin to see that for yourself, when you begin to grasp that for yourself, you will begin to sing even before the victory happens. You will begin to sing even before the promise manifests. So what seems to be insensitive is God saying, if you change the picture on the inside of you and you begin to see yourself and you begin to see your life the way I see it, you'll start to sing right now. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Say, start singing. Start singing. Notice what he says next. He says, clear lots of ground for your tents. He says, make your tents large. That means spare, spare nothing. Don't put any limits on what God can and will do next. Make, look, your capacity, your capacity to receive is what's going to determine what God pours out next. So he says, expand your capacity. Make your tents large. He says, spread out. Notice the next thing he says. He says, start thinking big. Think big. Somebody say, think big. Listen to me. Listen to me. Uh, I said this before, and we're kind of still in that season uh, where we're thinking about, he said, we, we, we crucify ourselves, city church. We crucify ourselves between two thieves. These two thieves rob us. Those two thieves are regret over our past and fear of the future. And even as I'm saying this, I can even feel some of y'all pumping the brakes. Well, I don't want to get my hopes up. Because if I get my hopes up, maybe I'm going to be disappointed. Notice what the Lord said. He says, drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room. Now, notice what he says next. He said, don't be afraid. You won't be embarrassed. Listen to me. Listen to me. The instruction of the Lord is to start to sing. And it's to start to dream. And it is to start to build. It is to enlarge your capacity to receive because what I'm going to do next is going to blow your mind. You ain't going to be embarrassed. He said, don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Listen to this. Listen to this. You will forget about all the humiliations of your youth. And the indignities of being a widow will fade from your memory. Listen to me. What God does next in your life, what God does next in my life is going to be redemptive. He's going to heal every wound of your past. I'm saying this by the spirit of God. Every memory, every scar, every wound, every place that has been unproductive and unfruitful. And again, I want you to hear this. This is just a metaphor. It is not limited to the biological process of childbearing. It speaks to every place in your life that has been barren up until this point. He is speaking to everything in your life, in your past and your present that has restricted and held you back. He says, begin to sing over it, barren man, barren woman. Because I'm preparing you for expansion. This is where I close. 
1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I don't know what's on me, but God is helping us this morning. Listen to me. You will forget. The reason he says sing is because you will forget the humiliations of your youth. I just feel that all up in my gut right now. Every humiliating thing, every humiliating place, God is about to heal. Every memory of your barrenness. Listen to me, the places of disappointment, the places of failure, the places of denial, the places of delay. God said he's going to bring healing and he's going to bring help and he's going to be, bring restoration. You know why? Because he died on the cross. He died on the cross. Not so that you and I would go through life burdened with the, 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 the pain and the scars of our youth. In our failures. The Lord is healing right now. The Lord is healing broken hearts right now. The Lord is beginning to change the image that we have of ourselves even now. He's beginning to form us and fashion us into the vision and the promise that he has for us. It happens now. He died on the cross. Now what? It's time for us to begin to live out the fullness of his purpose for our lives. I'm going to go quick. Are y'all tracking with me? I'm going to go quick. Y'all give me 10 minutes and I'm going to wrap it up. He said, Pastor Ray, what you talking about? Uh, there's a phenomenal story in 1 Samuel chapter number 1. This story is not unique to the individuals in the story because as we read scripture, we will find that some of the people that God used uh, uh, the most wrestled with barrenness. We could talk about Sarah. We could talk about not just Sarah, but Sarah's daughters, meaning the women of Scripture, many of whom loved God. Loved God. But they were barren. Listen to me. I'm talking to people this morning. It may not be for everybody. I'm talking for people, to people in this room this morning who say, I love God. And I serve God. But I am barren in these areas of my life. God, I'm telling you, God is, God is doing a new work in you this morning. So there's this family. There's this family in 1 Samuel chapter number 3 that will help us understand Isaiah 54 a little bit better. So Isaiah chapter I mean, 1 Samuel chapter 1 picks up in verse 1, and it says, uh, is that first? I'm sorry, 1 Samuel. Uh, well, let's, let's start there. Let's start there in chapter 3. Because chapter 3 is going to help us understand what we read in chapter 1. Are y'all still with me? Are y'all tracking with me? Okay, chapter 3 is going to help us understand what God is doing in chapter 1. Uh, uh, so the scripture says, the boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. This was at a time, listen to me, you have to understand the context of your time and the season in which you are living. Let me tell you something, most of us get frustrated with God because we, we, we have become so fixated on ourselves that we lose sight of the big picture. 
that we are part of something bigger that God is doing, that we are just one piece in God's divine puzzle. So the wrestling that is about to happen is going to happen in the life of a woman named Hannah, but she doesn't realize that she is an important and pivotal figure in God's big picture. Because the scripture says at the time that Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction, listen, there was, this was a time when there was no widespread revelation of God. And the revelation of God was rarely seen. You know what that means? That means God wasn't saying a whole lot. And the reason God wasn't saying a whole lot was because there were a whole bunch of people who were serving in the temple, who had on the robes, who weren't living for God. Who had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof. There's a whole bunch of people who were going through the motions and God wasn't even with them. Remember what the scripture says about Samson, that he shook himself one last time and he didn't realize that the spirit of God had departed from him? And here's an entire nation and God ain't saying nothing to him because he's got priests in the person of Eli and his sons, but he can't even trust them with what he desires to say next to the nation of Israel. Somebody say God needed a prophet. Are you all with me? Let's go to chapter 1. It'll help us understand chapter 1 a little bit better. Chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, there was once a man who lived in that place. And he was descended from the old Zuff family in the Ephraim Hills. His name was Elkanah. And he was connected with the Zuffs from Ephraim through his father Jehoram, his grandfather Eliu and his great-grandfather Tohu. They give a little bit of the genealogy so we'll know the pedigree from which this man came. He had two wives. And all the men say, I don't know how he did it. No, y'all can really say that. I know you're sitting with your wife, but you can. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, brother. Woo! Don't know how, but he did it. Bam. Made a way. Two. Not one. Two. I don't know how the brother did it, but he did it anyway. Glory to God. Uh, so the first wife was Hannah, and the second wife was Penina. And the scripture says Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Come on, somebody. Hannah is the first wife, the first in priority, the first in choice. And she's living side by side with a constant reminder of her greatest disappointment. Whew. Let's keep going because I, I got to get you all out of here. And every year, listen to me, every year this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to the God of the angel armies. And Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as the priest of God there. And when Elkanah sacrificed, he passed helpings from the sacrificial meal around to his wife Penina and all her children. Let's keep going. 
but he always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. Can I, can I just tell you a little bit about what's going on here? The desperation Hannah may have felt. Uh, because in, in Bible times, a woman who was barren was considered cursed by God. And notice, this is not happening to people who hate God. They're coming up to the temple every year and offering sacrifices. Listen to me, I'm talking to people this morning who show up, who draw near to God, who pray, who offer sacrifices, who give, they do everything within their power, but still, silence. This is Hannah's story. And yet the Lord says, if you're in that place where Hannah was, start singing. Listen to me. Have you ever been in a place in your life when there was nothing to laugh about? It used to be funny, but now it ain't funny no more. I'm talking about our walk with God. When it ain't nothing to laugh about, God, this ain't fair. One time, we were going through a season, and my wife said, God serving you is like playing the lottery. Some win, some don't. I'm talking to people who will be honest enough with their wrestlings and their struggles and their barrenness to say, you know what, Pastor Ray, I've been there too. I've seen Penina right beside me, and everything in her life seems to be going right. I'm talking about people who life has become so bitter to your palate that even if your husband Elkanah gives you a double portion, it still can't satisfy. It still can't satisfy the longing in your heart. That's who I'm talking to this morning. And the Lord says, sing. He says, start singing even in your barrenness. Listen to me. Listen to me. The story continues. Uh, that he always gave a generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. But her rival, come on somebody, her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. Life has a way of doing that sometimes. Just keeping that thing in front of you making you mourn the things you don't have instead of celebrating what you do have. Life has a way of taunting us all. Life has a way of taunting us all. And life has a way of reminding us of the areas in our life that are barren. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Listen to me. This is not just limited. It's not just limited to the biological process. What areas in your life right now are desolate? The Lord says, begin to sing and begin to rejoice because of what I'm about to do. So it says this went on year after year. And every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Listen to me. When going to God was a constant reminder of what she didn't have. Are y'all listening to me? That every time she went to the house of God, it was a painful reminder of what she didn't have. I hope you'll hear what I'm saying. 
And so Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Her husband Elkanah, listen, listen to me. This was a city church man. Listen, listen to me. He said, oh, Hannah. Why are you crying, boo? Why are you ain't eating? Why are you upset, girl? Here it is, city church, fight club. Am I not worth more than 10 sons to you? He was full of himself, wasn't he? Say, girl, I know you want a son, but look at me, baby. I'm worth more than 10. Listen, let me tell you, husbands, sometimes the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut. Are y'all with me? But it worked, though, because Hannah got up and ate something. Then she pulled herself together. She slipped away quietly and entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance of God's temple. Listen to this. Crushed in soul. Crushed in soul. Hannah prayed to God and cried inconsolably. Come on, somebody. I'm talking, I'm talking about the kind of provocation that will bring you to your knees. Yeah, some of us still standing. I'm talking about the provocation that will bring you to your knees and say, God, if you don't do this thing, if you don't fix this thing, it can't be done. Remember, last week we said the only people that walk away from God empty are those who come to him full of themselves. And Sometimes God gets us in a place where we are totally empty of ourselves. Somebody say God needed a prophet. Say this with me, but Hannah needed a son. Y'all will catch that in a minute. You will catch that in a minute. Y'all will catch that in a minute. God needed a prophet. Hannah needed a son. God needed a prophet. Hannah needed a son. God needed a prophet. Hannah needed a son. Listen to me. Sometimes the difference between the gap in our lives and experiencing the fullness of God is simply aligning what we want with what God wants. Hmm, Y'all missed that. Sometimes the difference between the son I want and the prophet God needs is for me to simply move what I want into alignment with what God needs. Y'all ain't hear me yet. There is a reason when Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the Lord's prayer, he said, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He teaches us to pray that our hearts would be aligned with his kingdom before we even ask for our daily bread. Listen to me. Hannah 
father is praying year after year for a son. God's saying, I need a prophet though. But God, I need a son. Give me that son. So, so, so Penana can stop teasing me. Give me that son so the reproach and the shame can be removed from me. But God, I need a prophet though. But give me a son so, so he can go to the finest schools and have the finest education. And, and, and so he can be the, the first boy in my family because all we got is girls, but we need a boy. Hannah, I, I really need a prophet. But God, I want a son. I want a boy that I can spoil and I can show to Penina and let her know that God didn't curse me, that God still loves me. Uh, Hannah, I... I need a prophet. Because right now, I can give you a son. But if I give you a son with where you are right now, I'm going to still need a prophet. Because he's going to be your son, not my prophet. Y'all are listening to what I'm saying. Is it possible? That the difference between what you've been crying out to God for and what he has withheld is simply you want it for you. And for whatever reason of all the people he could have chosen, he says, I want you, Hannah, to be the one who's going to give me a prophet. He said, Pastor Ray, I don't know. Okay. Well, let's read the rest of the story and I promise you I'm wrapping up. This is what she said. She said, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, as if he didn't know. If you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son. Listen to me. The only people who walk away from God empty are those who come full of themselves. She's at such a place of surrender now that it's no longer about removing reproach from her. Now her will is aligning with what God wants. Notice what she said. If you give me a son, I will give him completely, unreservedly to you, and I will set him apart for a life of holy discipline. Listen to me. What she wanted now aligned with God's purpose. And guess what happened? She went home, did what grown folk do, And she had a child. Just that quick. What changed? What changed? Could it be that sometimes we miss what God is doing? And that the delay is connected to God's sovereign plan? And God says, you are a part of my sovereign plan. And the moment you align with what I want to do through you, not just what you want, not just what you want, but if you surrender what you want and cause it to align with what I have planned, I will give you what you want. And scripture says, and so it happened that as she continued in prayer before God, Eli uh, uh, was watching and he said, oh, are you drunk? Verse 15. Oh, no, sir, please. I'm a woman. Uh, hard used, just meaning I'm a woman empty of myself. Look at verse 17. Eli answered and said, go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. He was saying the exact same thing that Isaiah said, sing, barren woman. He said, think well of me and pray for me, she said to him. I just, I got to let y'all go. There was so much more I could say, but let me just say this. 
Hannah has Samuel. <laughs> and I know how some of y'all are. Y'all are uh, uh, foxhole Christians. We pray the prayer in the foxhole. God, if you save me from this, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. And then God give you what you want. And the next week, turn up. We forget our end of the deal. But the scripture says, the scripture says that Hannah, listen to me, took this son that she had been praying for all these years and fulfilled her promise. So that Hannah had her son, but God also had his prophet. But wait, there's more. Because Hannah doesn't only have one son, and he can begin to play medicationally. I just made that word up just now. It just sounded very church-like, medicationally. Yeah, medicationally. And uh, it just sounded good. It sounded better than softly, worshipfully. How many, baby, do you remember how many sons? Five sons. I think it was five. Two girls and three. Five, five kids. Why am I saying all of this? Because the promise in Isaiah 54, we see a picture of it fulfilled in 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 3. That the barren woman now has more children than the childbearing wife. Because her prayers began to align with what God desired. Can I just say this to you? Can I just say this to you this morning, City Church? <laughs> ah, look, look, what God does next in your life, what God does next in our church is going to straight up blow your mind. And it is simply, it is a simple, it's a simple matter of trusting what God has said. And that's why he said in Isaiah 54, start singing, start singing because God said so. How many of you realize that faith is voice activated? We release our faith by what we say. And as you begin to declare God's promise and God's word over your life, over your circumstances, every dead thing will begin to live again. Let me pray for you. I kept you longer than I intended to. But let me pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at citychurchtv.com. If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.